Yep, that's exactly what it is. Oktoberfest. How do you not like this beer? Man, this beer was nasty. <laughs> I don't like it. Welcome to the Enthusiast Gaming Podcast, where today we are going to be discussing the most horrific video game decisions of all time. With me as always is Wes. Wes, how you doing, man? What's going on, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing well also. Happy to be here. We are celebrating Halloween, obviously. This is our October episode, so we hope you guys enjoy it. That being horrific in the title as well. We do want to give a quick shout out before we hop into things. Shout out to Jay Shy over on Patreon. Thank you for your support. We truly, truly appreciate it. Yes, we do. Thank you so much, man. You guys can support us as well for as little as a dollar a month over there to get exclusive content, but we have a whole bunch of different tiers. You can get a shout out just like Jay Shy did. And um, yeah, man, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Nerdthusiast. Before we actually get started, so the title of this episode is The Most Horrific Video Game Decision of All Times. Yep. Matt. How, please tell everybody how we came up with this discussion. So, obviously, we needed to come up with some kind of theme because, like, you know, Nerdthusiast, we, we, we love doing Halloween stuff for October every single year. That's, you know, that's like our big month, basically. We do a lot of stuff for Halloween. Um, it's like the main holiday that we celebrate together, collectively, everyone. And... I was trying to figure out what, what we're going to talk about. I had no idea. You know, I didn't want it. Last year we covered like scary games. And I think most people are going to be covering scary games. I was like, I got, we, we got to do something different. We got to do something different. And then in the horizon, there was like, like a nuclear bomb going off, at least in my, in, in my world that destroyed my soul with every being Wes. Is and, it that bad? It wasn't that bad. Actually, it's probably bad, pretty bad. For me, it's pretty bad because I was looking forward to this since it leaked the first time and the second time and the third time. The announcement of GoldenEye, of course, that uh, just happened about, actually I could tell you, let's see, on Tuesday, September 13th, during a Nintendo Direct, Nintendo announced that GoldenEye for the N64 will be added to the Nintendo Switch Online in its original form and will include online multiplayer. Hell yeah. We're starting out great. So far, so good. Starting out great. I was like, all right, all right, you know. I know there's an Xbox version coming out. I know it's not going to be the N64 version. I know it's up res, so can't wait to hear about that. But let's keep going. Let's see what happens next. So then, of course, you know, the, the Direct ends. And uh, I believe Rare is the one who put out the statement. It could have been Microsoft, but I'm pretty sure it was Rare. And they said, uh, yeah, 4K. 60 frames, Xbox, that's what you guys are getting. Sounds fantastic, right? Okay. Great. Awesome. Give it to me. Then some more details come out. You got Rare Replay? GoldenEye for you? No cost. You just I get was it. super excited because I bought Rare Replay. I bought Rare Replay too. Wes, how did you buy Rare, Rare Replay? Did you buy it digitally, physically? What did you get? I bought the disc. You know, I gotta, I gotta have the physical. 
as did I, of course. Mm-hmm. My wonderful, beautiful copy of Rare Replay sitting just a few yards away from me right now. What won't happen, though, is when we put in our discs, we will not get GoldenEye, Wes, because we do not own the digital version of Rare Replay. <laughs> Makes no sense. Now, you can tell me also it's coming to Game Pass, which that's cool too. Like, oh, you can just go play it on Game Pass. That's great. I want to own this game again in all its 4K glory. But I'm going to have to buy it. Again. Again. (laughs) Because if you bought it digitally, we're going to give you a little bonus. But you didn't. So... Because I decided to buy the disc, I get punished. Thank you. Thank you for that. And what else? The most important part to Goldeneye, I I really do like the single player a lot, but it's the multiplayer. Mm -hmm. It's the multiplayer at the end of the day. So they announce, yes, there will be split screen, you know, multiplayer for Xbox. Fantastic. Wonderful. Wes, I don't know if you know this, but I'm 38 years old. And I don't have friends that I hang out with anymore. <laughs> I might be 37. I don't even know my age anymore. That's how old I am. It all blurs together. Trust me. It all me. goes together. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but I certainly don't have friends coming over hanging out. I got a seven-month-old. She ain't going to play with me. No. My wife ain't going to play with me. So what do I need, Wes? I need some of that sweet, sweet online action, right? That's right. That's what I need. Just like the N64 version. The N64 version on the Nintendo Switch. It's a a lock. It's a lock. I'm going to get online, of course. No. (laughs) No online for GoldenEye on the Xbox Series X and S. Which makes no sense because that's what Microsoft does. Microsoft owns online gaming. I can almost bet my life that the Switch versions of online for that game is going to be broken out the gate. Maybe it'll be repaired, like, eventually. But I cannot imagine that game even working right. Hmm. You, what was the Man. original frame rate of that game, Wes? Do you remember how bad the frame oh, rate was? 12? Was it 15? Well, I was, I was going to say, did it touch 30? I don't think so. Oh, I, there's there was a lot of slowdown, Wes. There, there were bullets flying, and... Two characters around you, I highly doubt that it was 30. You guys can go back into the research. I don't know how, how fast it was, but there's significant slowdown in that game. So that's going to that's gonna translate great online. Great. <laughs> so basically that day went from, oh, finally, they finally announced it. So excited. So, so excited. To... The worst day ever. <laughs> Just one of the worst video game decisions I've ever seen in my life. I and Microsoft hasn't even explained it. Neither is Nintendo. No, nobody's talking about like why. You know, I, I heard somebody say something like, "Oh, the Nintendo Switch Online is just set up that way for like you know, when you port the games into online, it just functions easier." The game came out in 1997, I believe, 1998. Mm-hmm. What is so complicated about getting this game online? 
look, we, we really had to get the 4K, had to get the 60. Couldn't figure out the online. It was just beyond us. You're Microsoft. It's true. So true. I, there's no excuse here. Now, the other thing I'm hearing from people is, oh, it could have been like a contractual thing that, you know, because the license would have been between mm. Rare, Nintendo, the current bond holders, and, you know, Microsoft. And it could have been between all these en- entities, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're Microsoft. If Nintendo had a problem with you having online, drop a bag. Here, here's $500,000. Shut up, Nintendo. <laughs> Man, it was, you know, I, I just have to let everyone know when Matt heard this news, if you can imagine Matt's head exploding, it exploded. And then it came back I'm together right now. and exploded again. He was highly upset. You were upset, man. You were highly upset. I, As far as business decisions, I, I don't get it. Can you imagine how many people would play GoldenEye online with the Xbox. Wes, if this, if this thing dropped in November, I don't know the release date yet. I don't think they even announced like the official like release date of this thing yet. But if this thing dropped in November, when like God of War's coming out, New Sonic's coming out, mm-hmm. banger after banger after banger. November's like one of the biggest months of the year. But you're going to give me GoldenEye online 4K60? Mm-hmm. I don't care about any of that other stuff. I want to book... Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare, the, the last Modern Warfare was one of the best Call of Duty games in a long, long time. Definitely looking forward to Modern Warfare 2. Wouldn't have even touched the game if GoldenEye had come out before that, if it was online. Wouldn't have cared about anything for the rest of the year. <laughs> oh, man, GoldenEye, there's so much love for GoldenEye. So much love for GoldenEye. I was excited because I, I missed the Nintendo Direct. And, you know, so when you told me my first reaction... I was super pumped. We're getting a remake of GoldenEye. Bet. I was I was all excited. But then, as you said, you're like, but wait, don't get too happy because this, 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 and this. And it just kind of like... So am I still happy we're going to play GoldenEye on the Xbox? Slightly enhanced? I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm. It's GoldenEye. I'm just happy to play it. But why? Why, Microsoft? Why wouldn't you put online? Why? I don't know. Like I mentioned, there's no reasoning behind it, but VGC, uh, Video Games Chronicle, they, mm-hmm. they did reach out to Microsoft uh, to ask them, you know, you know, is this accurate? You know, is, it, is, it, is this going to happen? Is this going to change in the future? And basically they said, they said this, while there are no plans to include online multiplayer as part of GoldenEye 007 on Xbox Game Pass, Xbox is focused on bringing this title to players in the way they fondly remember, including local Multiplayer mode allowing up to four players to take to the couch in a battle of wits and skill. So they basically just dodged the question and just said, not at this time. And then they were like, but you can do local multiplayer. Great. I got a 64 right there if I want local (laughs) multiplayer. Oh, and don't forget that we got punished because we bought the physical copies of Rare Replay. They got to stop doing this to people. They got to figure something out. Like... (laughs) Whenever they update something, they're like, oh, well, here's a here's a good thing. Oh, I know what they're doing. They're enticing you to buy the digital version because they make more money off of that. They don't have to print any discs. They don't have to print any artwork. Mm-hmm. They don't have to print any boxes. They don't have to print any of that stuff. It's saving the money. And it's also easier to identify that you own the game and, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't bought secondhand or something like that. 
There's got to be a way around this, though. they got to stop screwing people over who are buying physical copies of games. It's like we, we, we pay the money, but we get punished. It's ridiculous. Bad decision. I'm going to leave it there, guys. That way, I told Wes I was going to have a real hard time not cursing the beginning of the show, and I made it through. <laughs> so I'm very proud of myself right now. And I would just like to go to the next thing before I lose control. <laughs> Wes. This next one you brought up, and like when, when I brought up the topic to you, I, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. I was just pissed off about GoldenEye, but I was like, man, what else, you know, what other horrific decisions were made? And then you brought this one up, and I was like, oh my God, it was so bad. It was what bad. Was I lived through that, man. That was horrible. I was a little young at the time, so I don't remember this too well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take things from here, and I'll, I'll add some salt and pepper. And... <laughs> man, so the year was 1995. I was uh, I was working at Electronics Boutique, you know, and then you know every they they did their pre-orders back then, but they had a reserve book, and we knew the Saturn was coming. We were super sorry, excited. Hey, one second, just for you guys who don't know what a reserve book is, basically, you would go in there, you would put your your name and your phone number on like mm-hmm. on a physical book because this was you know in the nineties, it was a physical book with printed out things, yep. and you just put your name, your phone number, you want to be contacted. When this item is available to pre-order. Correct. Correct. All right. So we had, Sorry. A, nah, we had a bunch of names on it and, you know, knew it was coming. It was a Sega machine, the successor to the Genesis and 32X, Sega CD. Couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. My manager goes to a conference in August. No, it was actually earlier than that. And he says, hey... Wes, I know you were on the list for Saturn. How serious were you to get one? I'm like, pretty serious. I definitely want one. Okay, they'll be in the store tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yes. He said Sega surprised announced that all the uh, Saturns were launching immediately. Okay, I was excited. But there were no games. Dude, I think there were like five games. We had Panzer Dragoon, Daytona USA, Clockwork Knight, Worldwide Soccer, and Virtual Fighter. That was it. I believe all those were published by Sega. They were. That was it. <sighs> yeah, I mean, this did a bunch of stuff to the different people. So the, the show that Wes is referring to was, uh, was um, uh, E3. It was in May of 1995, mm-hmm. and this was not This was originally scheduled to release in September 2nd of 1995, yes, so this was, um, you know, about three or four months ahead of schedule, and this quick decision to release the games, it pissed off some retailers, which I know you know more about, and it also pissed off plenty of, uh, you know developers slash publishers that wanted to be there on launch day that obviously weren't able to put out their game within 24 hours. Yeah, no, because no, there was no third-party support for months. Because How they, could there be? <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know what? It was such chaos at that moment because, you know, third-party developers were like, okay, we have until September to get our games ready and and shipped and everything. And then... They're going to drop this bomb? You know what? What? Oh, man. It, it, it took months 
months to get a new release and we got bug for the saturn like two three months later and then we and then we got the john claude van damme street fighter the movie game oh nice nice that was was the first third party game i remember coming out and but again it, it horrible 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 decision on sega's part because it, there was no games. There was no games, man. Well, I got to ask you this because I, I, again, I was younger during this period of time. I wasn't there at the launch. I don't know. I don't know much about this. You were there. You know. Did you guys like sell out of your pre-orders right away? Did you even have pre-orders at that point? Like what? So what? What happened with that? How many consoles did you guys get? If you remember, and like how quickly did you sell out of them? We. Oh man, I trying to remember. We got. We didn't get a whole lot. Um, I know we had two pages of names on in the book. But these weren't won- even pre-ordered. These were people that just wanted it. What that showed interest that when we started the pre-orders, you know, we would to call them and let them know, and they would come in and they would they would pre-order. But yeah, everybody was like, "Wait, it's not supposed to come out for like four more months." It, yeah, we got like ten. That's crazy. That was it. And that was it. Um, it was just, it was a horrific business decision, Sega. That was, you know what? A lot of it had to do with they were scared of Sony. Because at that point, Sony was around the corner. You know, it was talked that. And they were going to be $100 cheaper. I don't know if they announced it at that yeah. point or not, but Sony was going to come out $100 cheaper than Saturn. Yeah, they were trying to, they were really were trying to beat Sony to the market. Um, and capitalize on the head start, but it backfired. It did. It backfired in a big way. I just, you know, I, I enjoyed my Saturn. I loved my Saturn. It, it was great for 2D fighters. But, it, you know, to, to get to that point was was rough. Was rough. <laughs> did, you, did you guys sell out the first day you got them? We within 24 hours of them arriving in the store, they were all gone. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Because there, there was also, you know, the the advantage of doing a surprise launch like that is like the hype just goes, oh my, you know, people just have mm-hmm. to have it. Like they go from, oh, I kind of want it to, oh my god, they're available. I got to go get it. You know. Yep. Yep. And then you, a lot of people, say, hey, we heard that Sega surprise announced the the Saturn drop. You know, do you guys have any? It was it was total chaos. Yeah, I definitely remember the end of that because. Uh, I was again. I was young, but like, I, I really wanted one, and they. I realized that at some point the tide. This was the point the tide was turning because it was right before Christmas. I don't know which Christmas, so it was probably a few years later, and they were being discounted by like, I think hundred, two hundred dollars, like off off like the sticker price. So, and I was just like, man, I should get a Saturn, and I was like, well. If they're giving that much off, like it's only been out for like a couple of years, like that doesn't make any sense. Like that's a lot of money. I was like, ah, I'll wait a little bit longer, and then you know, like a few months later, they're like, oh, Saturn's dead to us. We're gonna make something called a Dreamcast. Man, I, you know what? Another thing that told me Saturn, uh, Sega was scared of Sony because they got, you know, back then there was a lot of chatter that Sega got a hold of the specs for the PlayStation, and they mm. saw it was a 3D powerhouse back in the day. And, you know, the Saturn was supposed to be your 2D killer hardware machine. And then they saw 3D 
and they kind of had to go back and kind of slap some 3D chips together, which made it very difficult to to design for, make games for. And, you know, that's and why the, Saturn's so hard to emulate for now because it is, there's so man. it's just it was like a hodgepodge of stuff thrown together. Yeah, at, you know, especially with the transparencies, you could tell. You know, the PlayStation, you know, for a Gen One console at the time, it handled transparencies well. The Saturn, you look at transparencies, it looked like mesh wire. It was horrible looking. It was horrible looking. So <laughs> it's like you know, two D, beautiful. It ran Street Fighter games, Dark Starkers games flawlessly flawlessly but it was just it's sega learned their lesson because they did it right with the dreamcast they did it yeah. a thousand times better with the dreamcast uh, i mean they had a great launch of dreamcast there was tons of games to play mm-hmm. you know the, that system was truly the next generation system at the time i think it had it had like six months or a year before any other console was out like the next Closest console would have been what PS2, PS, what the 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 set the which one the Dreamcast, Dreamcast, the Dreamcast was yeah, yeah it was yeah, PS2, PS2 and PS2 PS2 GameCube, PS2 GameCube and Xbox those were like yeah. the next systems waiting in the wing. Yeah, I don't know which one came out first, but even then it was like, you know, whatever one of those three systems came out first. Sega was at least six months ahead of the game, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. I remember them having a window where it was just them. Like, you want a next-gen? It's Dreamcast. There's no other options at that moment. I was there. Yeah, I mean, it's sad the Dreamcast only lasted for two years. You know, it's and it's unfortunate because of the whole Saturn surprise launch, it pissed off a lot of third-party developers like EA. EA would not do a game for the Dreamcast. They just refused. And, and plus a lot they of the, started making their own 2K sports franchises, so that also that pissed them off even further, man. You know, so it was just one of those things, man. That was, yeah, KB Toys refused to carry the Saturn, any Sega products. Right, because they left them out of the launch. They, they said there's a yeah. select group of retailers that are, there's only a select group of retailers getting this on launch day. KB wasn't one of them, so they were like, okay, we're just not going to carry your system. And they never so- did. I said it before and I'll say it again. Like, Sega, what were you thinking back then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a feeling, like, if you go back and look, a lot of a lot of that stuff came, like, with weird decisions. Yeah. A lot of that came from Sega of Japan, where Sega of America was making, like, smarter decisions and, like, doing very well for the most part. Not saying it was all Japan's fault, but, like, decisions like this, you don't get the go-ahead unless Japan is either calling the shot or telling you mm-hmm. to, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, man. Crazy. I mean, crazy. It stuff. was, it was, it was a, it was, it was fun time living through that though, but it was just a head scratcher. It's like, what? <laughs> Zor. Very. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about PlayStation just now, you know, going into our next horrific decision. All I could say is Nintendo, Nintendo, Nintendo. Ugh. Matt, what am I talking about? I mean, this this might be the biggest... Like The, the second one was, was bad with Saturn. This is probably... I mean, Nintendo created their biggest competitor. Literally created it. So I'll read this excerpt really quick. This is from Replay, The History of Video Games by Tristan Donovan. It should have been a coup. On May 28, 1991, at the the Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago, 
Sony proudly revealed that it was working with Nintendo to create a version of the Super NES with a built-in CD drive. The two Japanese companies had been working together in secret on the project, tentatively titled the Nintendo PlayStation. Since 1989, with the hype about CD-ROM reaching uh, fever pitch, Sony's announcement should have been the highlight of the trade show. But behind the scenes, all was not well. Since agreeing to the alliance, Nintendo had become increasingly nervous about Sony's intentions, fearing that it would fearing that it wanted to use the project to muscle itself into the game's business. Nintendo's paranoia was justified. Ken Kutaragi, the Sony engineer who initiated the whole project, saw the partnership as the first step to achieving his dream of getting Sony to start making game consoles. Suspecting as much, Nintendo decided to strike first. The day after Sony gave its announcement, Nintendo announced it was dropping Sony and now with uh, now is working with a Dutch rival, Philips, instead. Great! I'll grab my stuff! Sony was shocked at the public humiliation Nintendo had inflicted on it. But if Nintendo had hoped to push Sony out of the games industry, that move backfired. Boy, did it backfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... The important to me, the important parts in the middle were were Ken Kutaragi probably you know he he wanted to get Sony involved in games and somehow and this was mm-hmm. this was the first step. Like he said, Sony you know Nintendo was probably justified into being nervous about Sony, but all they did was just make it happen way sooner. And instead of you know maybe finding an an alliance together to move forward, mm-hmm. you know creating these things together, they burned the bridge. You know, pissed on the ashes on its way out and like just totally embarrassed Sony. And they were like, okay. All right. And they made the PlayStation 1. Yep. <laughs> that competed Sony, with the N64. It did. Sony was like, well, we got this hardware. What can we do with it? Oh, let's make our own. And now, you know. The rest is history at that point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the PS2 was the biggest selling video game console of all time and still is. I, you know what? I just, I wish I could know, like, the real reason why why Nintendo pulled out of this partnership. It's just, it, I, I just, it, I don't understand it, man. It, that that was the probably the worst decision Nintendo could ever make. I mean, just to not have the foresight of, listen, if we pull out now, what what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is they already know what they're doing, and they're just going to make a system to compete with you. The best thing you could do is try to strengthen your partnership and hope to God they don't turn against you, and then you have to deal with that. Right. But instead, they were like, we're just going to cut you off. But at that time, Nintendo was was video games at that time. Yes. I mean, they finally started getting some competition from Sega. But they were still top dog. Everybody knew Nintendo. Everybody knew Nintendo. Even people yeah. who don't play games knew Nintendo. Adults called video games the Nintendo, whether it was a Nintendo or not. They didn't care. It could have been an Atari 2600. They were like, stop playing <laughs> the Nintendo. That's right. So I think it was a little bit of arrogance and stupidity. Not, you know... Perhaps it's just because we already know the history of what happened, but to not think that that was a possibility, that they're just going to spin off and do this even faster than what they might have done in the future, 
is completely stupid. Oh, man. Yeah, because, you know, we had the birth of the PlayStation 1, which caught fire like it was not. It was it was insane how fast that thing caught on. I think we mentioned it in one of our other videos. It's like it pissed me off because we've been playing video games for years. But once the PlayStation came out, it made it made playing video games cool again. Oh, yeah. Oh, without oh, a doubt. Yeah. So it, it it started that whole trend. And then you got the PlayStation 2. And then you get, you know, then that you got the whole fanboy thing, the Sony fanboy, the Sega fanboy, the Nintendo fanboy. It was just, and then it just took off from there. Like you said, Nintendo created their own monster. Yeah, they really did. I mean, I was an N64 person during the PS1. I did eventually get a PS1. I had one. I have games for it, obviously. I think the PS1's a great system. I just have way more nostalgia for some of the games that came out of N64. Like, I mean, you know, I know we mentioned GoldenEye already, so I'm not going to bring that up again. But, like, show me one game on PlayStation that's better than The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's really good PlayStation games. Yeah, yeah. But there's no I mean, Ocarina of Time. Well, they gave us Final Fantasy VII. Square gave you Final Fantasy VII. PlayStation True. just happened to have a partnership. <laughs> Nintendo, Nintendo happened to also piss them off as well. Interesting. <laughs> Are you guys noticing a theme here of these companies just pissing other people off and then like crazy shit happens? Like that seems to be like. <laughs> You know, I I love. I'm glad the PlayStation came out. You know, however it came about, I'm glad it came out. I loved it. You know, it had so many games, so many games. You know, it gave us the birth of Resident Evil. It gave us Wipeout. It gave us Crash Bandicoot. It gave us Spyro. I mean, it, it gave you about the eight billion JRPGs that people still love to this day. Still loved it. Final Fantasy VII being one of them. You know that was it. It, it gave us Tomb Raider. You know, just we can go on and on and on about. When you say PlayStation, there's certain titles that pop to mind. And just just the thought of what could have happened if they if Nintendo kept that partnership, what we could have gotten. It would be very interesting to see that. Like it would have. Can really you imagine it if they, they made it like a PS2 together? Like a PS2 GameCube hybrid. And just all the great games were <laughs> on those two systems. Oh man. And Xbox. <laughs> like when, during the PS2 era, I have a GameCube, I have an Xbox. I love those systems also. Mm -hmm. But during that era, PS2 was my go-to system, man. I played the crap out of my PS2. Just like last generation, PS4 was my favorite system. I played the crap out of my PS4. Really? Yeah. I mean, I love my PS2. I really did. Um, I really like my Xbox, too. I like them all, to be fair. But PS2 was certainly in the top of my, my list, for sure. My whole fear with the PS2 was the whole will my system play the blue discs or the silver discs? That was a bad, because, that was a bad time. <laughs> you know, because when your CD drive, when your drive went, you had to determine which lens went. Was it the DVD lens or was it the CD lens? I think I mentioned this on my la the last show that we had, but two of my favorite consoles of all time. <laughs> were terribly broken, which was the Xbox 360 and the, and the PS2. And the PS2. I yep. probably own five of each of those because they just constantly broke. Yeah. 
but it was still fun to play. Still had great games. It was, man. Still had great games. Heck yeah. Horrific business decision. Thank you, Nintendo. Horrible decision. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of horrible decisions, we're going to move into our last topic of the show for you guys. We do have one more topic, so if you guys follow us over on Patreon, support us there. We're going to cover backwards compatibility and bad decisions around that. So you just have to follow us for a dollar a month to get that exclusive content over on Patreon. For now, this was another West one, and it was a good-ass call because this was a dumbass device. Look, man, I I found enjoyment in it. I really did. It, it was it was stupid. It was stupid. It was dumb, but you know you love that game. <laughs> it was the the it was a head scratcher for sure. But on the gaming side, it was I can respect for what it was trying to do. I mean And what are we talking about? The Nokia N gauge. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this was a cell phone gaming console hybrid Mm -hmm. and for let me let me put this out there just for you guys that are younger too because if anybody's like you know i don't know i don't even know what the cutoff is anymore i've lost track of all that shit it doesn't matter but if you grew up with a cell phone that had a full screen you don't know anything about what we're talking about right now nothing no you don't (laughs) no you don't because cell phones back then were flip phones Mm-hmm. Where you can call, text, and maybe if you were lucky, you got snake on there or something like that. That's that's, that's what you had. <laughs> and Nokia was like, "Oh, we got to get more games. This this snake game is huge. We got to get more games on our cell phones." Which was smart. Yeah, that that would definitely help them. But there was a few problems with the good old Engage, Wes. One, it looked like a taco. <laughs> it looked like a taco. And why would you want to hold this thing up to your ear? It was very awkward looking. This is at a time when cell phones were shrinking. Like they were, they were, yeah, companies that were making cell phones during this time, they were going out of their way to make flip phones as small as possible. Now you have Max phones that are like, you know, half a tablet and stuff. Yeah. But back then that was not the case. Everybody was getting smaller. And then, and then Nokia is like, we're making a giant taco that you hold up to your ear if you want to make a phone call. But it will play games. It will play games, and and the games were these little, like little memory card games. Um, I mean, they, they look, had they look kind they of had, like DS or Switch games or something, sort of. Yes, exactly. But they, they had a lot of good stuff. They had Tomb Raider. They had Tony Hawk. They had Splinter Cell. They had uh, I want to say uh, a WWE WWF wrestling game. They had some decent stuff. So they, the, the attempt was was there. Like I said, I can respect the game because they tried to be different. They tried to be innovative. They tried to be creative. But I, it just it didn't catch on. They were trying to go after the Game Boy market, really. The Game Boy. Um, I'm trying to see. Was it the game? Was it the Game Gear also at the time? I'm not no, sure. No, Game Gear was dead by then. This was, was long GBA, before then. This was GBA G, GBA SP era. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was. So they were trying to. They were trying to capture that, but 
it it didn't catch on. I mean, Matt, you remember selling them in the store, and then after they bought it, we had to tell them to go down the hall to T-Mobile to activate the service if you wanted to use the cell phone feature. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want it as a game console, here it is. Enjoy popping your games. It'll work. You want to use it as a cell phone? You're in the wrong location. You need to go somewhere <laughs> else. You can buy it and take it to them, and they'll activate it for you. This was just as bad as this could be a whole other. This could be a whole nother topic. But Sony's decision with the PS Vita and making the uh, the three G because that's what was the big thing at that time exclusive mm-hmm. to AT and T. If you all don't remember, AT&T was trash back then. They're not that great now, and they were garbage back then. And they were like, oh, you want to use our 3G? It's got to be through AT&T. What? That's right. Why would you make that exclusive? Just make it whatever carrier you have you can use. It doesn't matter. That That's what they should have done. Not go to AT&T and buy a prepaid card and install it on your friggin' Vita. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Well, and yep, the engage you had to go to T-Mobile to activate the service. But the funny thing is, as much as we bashed the the engage, it didn't stop there because they gave us a second one, the more compact little one that did the same thing. That did the same thing. It didn't. Look, it looked less like a taco. It did. It really did. But you know, I still have. Was- I, I had both of mine. That's the funny. other problem with the system, though, was the controls were weird. Just weird, man. A GBA had, like, AB, mm-hmm. RL, start, mm-hmm. select, and That's a D-pad. It. That's it. This thing had, because there has to be numbers, because it's a cell phone. It had all sorts cell of crap phone. on it. Just crap everywhere, and then a weird D-pad. Yep. Yep. I You know, I, I wish I was in... Nokia's boardroom when <laughs> when they came up with this idea. Like I said, I can respect the game, man. I really can. But <sighs> like I said, it was a good idea because you know their 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 cell phone games were really popular at that time and they were trying mm-hmm. to they, they had the right idea at the wrong time. <laughs> if they had just waited a few years for like iPhones to come out, they could have just developed stuff for that. You know? Instead, after after the QD, after their hardware failed, they started installing what's called Engage 2.0 mm-hmm. into their other phones, which is basically like a platform where you can play games through, which was a much smarter idea. But even that didn't stick around. Nah. Nah. You know, it just, unfortunately, it just never caught on the mainstream. It, it definitely wasn't catching up to the, to, to the Game Boy. Most of those SP. games just sat there in our store, man. We hardly ever sold an Engage. You know, even when I think we got clearanced out, I remember looking at all the sealed games and the sealed systems and just been like, yeah. garbage. Can we throw this away now? Like, I I wasn't not interested at all. But those games could have been a dollar. And I was like, I'll save my dollar. I'll go get a cheeseburger or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we I remember selling quite a few early on because, you know, the true the true gamers, you know, wanted it because it was a game system. At the end of the day, it, it was a game system. True. Um, True. You know, but I had a GBA, still, dude. I cannot yeah. look. At, I cannot look you in the iOS and be like, "Your N-Gage is better than my GBA." There's no way. No, no way. No, no, definitely not. But if you already had a GBA, 
and you wanted just you wanted to collect something else, that was the dust? option. You want to collect dust? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to th- I had to throw that shade. Yeah, yeah. Man, don't worry, guys. I'm gonna put a whole bunch of engaged photos and videos in here so you can <laughs> see the trash that we're talking about. Uh, yeah, like I said, I still have I have both mine. I have my original, and you know, bad enough, I got my wife one. So we- oh yeah, man. So I wound up buying a his and her engage. Well, EB gave us one. And then I wound up getting one because my wife liked mine because my wife likes technology. So we, I definitely didn't use it to talk on. Well, I, it came with a little microphone, you know, the little head headphones that you could plug in so you didn't look like an idiot walking around with a, <laughs> a taco on your face. <laughs> Certainly. But, uh, you know, I remember going to E3. I mean, they had a huge, huge area for just to showcase all their upcoming games. I mean, they were pushing it hard. They, I mean, they had the top-notch Ubisoft. You know, they it's had Activision. Stuff. You know, they had a lot of support as far as games. But initially, initially, but it started yeah, to fall off. It did. It did start to fall off. All right, guys. So we hope you enjoyed this special episode for Halloween. The most horrific video game decisions of all time we might do this again this might be a recurring segment we jump back to because i had a lot of fun doing this wes i did too man i did too just reliving all these horror stories oh man it was it was actually kind of fun it's fantastic <laughs> um if you guys haven't please go follow us on social media at nerdthusiast you guys can follow wes i forgot to give him the shout out earlier on as well as myself but wes where can people follow you if they want to you can follow me on instagram at grendel5xbx and if you are ever in South Jersey, Atlantic City area, you can catch me at Level Up Entertainment, where we sell comic books, retro video games, Gundam models, and pinball. I'm Matt. You guys can follow me at from NJ2CA. The two is the number two. Um, please consider supporting us over on Patreon. Everything you guys do there goes right back into the company. It really helps us out. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. So please consider doing that. And until next time, you guys take care. Have a good one, guys. Happy Halloween.